visit Hunvurtu from Tua. You're listening to WCBN FM and Arbor. So she doesn't want to have any more debates. Uh, she's, of course, been the, leading the charge on immigration reform, quote-unquote, and Fox News uh, has given her something like 28 interviews, and uh, apparently she won't do any interviews with the Arizona media. So she's hiding out somewhere in the desert of Arizona <laughs> looking for those headless bodies, but apparently she has now acknowledged that uh, there aren't any. Well, I've said it again and again. I don't think there's any finer test of one's fitness for office than to perform in a debate, in a yeah. discussion, in a conversation. Thinking on your feet is one of those uh, important skills that uh, you just simply need to be able to uh, manage. Yeah, well, apparently her 16-second blackout was uh, from her prepared statement, and then uh, <laughs> she giggled and gaggled and didn't have anything written on her arm uh, or hand Sarah Palin style yeah flubbed up again and I guess her crib notes were maybe in the pocket of a headless body in Arizona <laughs> who knows and uh, another interesting brewing scandal since her name is Jan Brewer not really going to get into this today but it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds um, the New York Times uh, magazine section have a front page cover story in uh, Sunday's New York Times, the uh, September 5th edition, uh, about a Rupert Murdoch publication that apparently uh, was intercepting uh, phone calls from celebrities, politicians, and all sorts of people. And the uh, one of the main editors involved at this news publication several years ago, Andy Golson, is currently the spokesperson or the communications director of the current con conservative government. So uh -huh. this could be a, a Watergate unfolding here. And, of course, it's uh, – I, I scanned the article. It's by uh, – it's a sort of a collaborative effort by uh, Don Van Natta, who's a – one of their better-known investigative reporters, Joe Beckley and Graham Bowley, in Sunday's uh, New York Times magazine with a uh, rather detailed uh, investigation of uh, what went on uh, over the past uh, several years, uh, including recently, um, involving one of Rupert Murdoch's publications in London. So this may be a... Uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if uh, Andy 
Colson uh, survives the week because there's obviously outrage here that uh, they apparently uh, wiretapped, uh, you know, celebrities and uh, including uh, Prince William and uh, the other fellow. I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Andrew? I think the younger one. William is the. Uh, is the uh, I'm heir not the, to the heir don't follow the royalists. Yeah, heir to the throne. Uh, and uh, it's rather remarkable stuff, but uh, right out of Richard Nixon, uh, the ghost of Richard Nixon and wiretapping, only this time it wasn't the politicians wiretapping the press, it was the press wiretapping celebrities and politicians. And, of course, it's a reminder once again that cell phone conversations can be intercepted at all times. Indeed, there's nothing private about them. Um, that's merely a, a quaint delusion that uh, people still uh, suffer under, I suppose. A landline phone, by the way, is protected under federal law. This is one of those interesting Supreme Court cases uh, that the uh, Tea Party people have apparently uh, overlooked in uh, their defense of the Constitution. Well, protected from wiretap, but strangely, uh, extremely vulnerable. Without a court order. Without a court order, but strangely vulnerable to uh, solicitations, phone sales. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we're learning more and more how the Internet is uh, monitoring even keystrokes that you make while you look at websites and whatnot. Very scary stuff. But uh, not surprising. We're, We're living in... Strange times, to say the least. Well, it's interesting, too, to make the Watergate connection that the uh, attempts by the uh, committee to reelect the president to uh, spy around the Democratic National Headquarters yielded more information about the sex lives of the secretaries at the DNC than it did much about uh, party politics. And uh, this is probably what they were actually looking for this time in uh, this media-driven scandal. Yeah, indeed, because uh, the, the sells papers, the tablet—it was, it was a tabloid, uh, one of Murdoch's tabloids—and needless to say, he owns a television tabloid now, the Fox News Network, that's uh, playing an increasingly significant role in our politics here in the United States, with uh, very little investigation into uh, the credibility of Fox News and some of the shenanigans that they've been involved in. Uh, it's already been documented, for instance, that they uh, doctored photographs of uh, some of the first Tea Party uh, mm-hmm. protests uh, that appeared Make around them the look country. larger than they were. Make the crowds look larger than they were. Uh, apparently, there's Glenn Beck's on some sort of a rampage uh, regarding uh, CBS's... Uh, Official estimate of 80,000 people that they claim is understated. Who knows? Who cares? But uh, such is life. And I guess I'll give out another sort of celebrity-related brain damage award, and I don't even have this guy's name, but there's a pastor uh, near the Gainesville, Florida area who is uh, intending this week of the anniversary of 9-11 to burn Korans as uh, his celebration of 9-11. Uh, this is a particularly disturbing uh, trend, so we'll just give him a brain damage award for even suggesting such a thing. 
Yeah, and a commemoration is not really a, a celebration, strictly speaking. I'm not sure if that's his word, but if if uh, he's willing to burn uh, what is a holy book for some, and burning any book, yeah, you know, is just bad form. I mean, Nazis are book burners. Yes, uh, here in America, we cherish and uh, esteem very highly the uh, freedoms and, of course, uh, freedom of speech in uh, printed form is one of the most important of those. Don't always have to agree with it. You don't always have to like it. And, of course, you don't have to read it. But <clears throat> it is a freedom. Yeah, and it just strikes me as an, a particularly brain-damaged, boneheaded uh, thing to do because it will obviously just inflame more emotion on the religion question yep. globally. Uh, I'm sure that uh, if he follows through with this, Action uh, photographs will be circulated throughout uh, the Muslim world, and I don't think uh, Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawari could find a better uh, agent. Yeah, this guy may as well just work. Uh, he make himself be. a Taliban T-shirt. And <laughs> yeah, must be working for the Taliban covertly. What an idiot! Well, of course, it is Labor Day. Yes. And we'll probably have a few things to say uh, about the state of labor in this day and age. I've got a few clippings there with me about the rather bleak assessment of uh, what was once upon a time known favorably as the American dream and uh, sort of diminished expectations for that. Um, well, I have a perfect uh, perfect uh, cartoon here for that. It says that shows two guys, two rich guys on a boat. Let's see. I've screwed the customers. I've defrauded the stockholders. I've robbed the employees, and I've cheated the government. These guys are out on a yacht in the middle of the ocean, and the other guy says, you've lived the American dream, Ed. <laughs> yeah, well, there's... <laughs> Of course, that is uh, a reality for uh, the elite. That courtesy of the Washington Post. Uh, yeah. For many years ago, uh, I've been doing some serious archaeological uh, clipping work this week. Uh, this Actually, from me too. Back in 2002, uh, while the Enron scandal was unfolding, and uh, Dick Cheney was about to unleash his propaganda war against Saddam Hussein. Well, I'm also going to read a cartoon here. This is Lloyd Dangle's Trouble Town, which appears in the Progressive magazine. This is from the September issue. Uh, it's a six-square little item. Um, it's summertime, and you know what that means. Vacation. But this roller coaster represents, here we are at the amusement park, this roller coaster represents the economy and what economists fear most, that we're in a double-dip recession. Screaming on the roller coaster. That's not to be confused with a double dip cone, which is what the financiers get. Happy man with an ice cream cone there. Everybody else is at home on a staycation, if they've still got a place to stay. And then we see the uh, cars hurtling towards a very steep decline on the roller coaster. Some of that old government stimulus cotton candy could cushion the fall, but. We're spending all our tickets on a crappier ride as we see people with unhappy faces being driven into an amusement park ride called the Afghanistan Hellhole. And indeed, we are spending all of our money on a crappy ride 
what we'd really like is to create some uh, more jobs fixing things up around here. But I guess uh, we can't complain too much, uh, as bad as it is. Human Rights Watch has found that cigarette giant Philip Morris buys tobacco from Kazakh farms that use child labor. Research documented uh, 72 instances of children working in tobacco fields in Kazakhstan. In one day in the fields, farm workers can absorb the amount of nicotine equivalent to smoking 36 cigarettes. So this is actually, if you think about it, sort of a Republican Rush Limbaugh sort of an outlook. This is great because these kids will grow up addicted to their jobs. (laughs) Yeah. And... uh, Sadly, we're all addicted to our jobs. We are forced through economic necessity to spend the bulk of our lives earning an income to basically pay rent on existence itself. And while, uh, you know, that's simply the state of affairs and uh, one can find uh, enjoyable work and enjoyment in work and satisfaction... Things are different now uh, than they were 30, 40 years ago for the American worker. Indeed. And uh, you mentioned the war in Afghanistan. It's interesting to note. And this, of course, uh, is just one of those startling factoids from a Nicholas Kristof column recently. Fortunately, I didn't write the date down on this, but it, uh, this was written in the last couple of months uh, regarding uh, America's uh, misplaced priorities. But the column leads off, the war in Afghanistan will consume more money this year alone than we spent in the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Mexican War, Mexican-American War, the Civil War, and the Spanish-American War combined. And we're talking there about basically 120 years of American history. Yeah, Uh, Some of those wars were... Inevitable, some apparently necessary, but uh, certainly the Spanish-American War uh, had some uh, interesting resemblances to the war in Iraq. And, of course, that's the first real American imperial war. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, was fanned by the media to a great degree. Uh, William Randolph Hearst was certainly involved in that. And, of course... The mess- you think, think Murdoch uh, has any delusions of grandeur to think that he's the, the Hearst of today? Well, he might. He's a kind of a, a strange fella. He is indeed. Um, but I, I guess he's an American citizen now. But uh, his agenda has always been somewhat uh, perplexing to me. Uh, it's obviously about him and money. But uh, along the way, he... Uh, seems to have some very strange global priorities. But uh, we've heard, uh, you know, Labor Day is also the sort of unofficial start of the p- political campaign. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're hearing more and more predictions about a uh, incredible Republican sweep. Uh, I'm not as uh, certain of that as some of the pundits that keep being quoted on uh, news programs such as uh, Larry Sabato and Charlie Cook, we will see what happens. I think that the Democrats actually have two big assets that uh, the media are overlooking, uh, Bill Clinton and o- Michelle Obama. Uh, they are uh, probably going to... 
I don't think you're going to see George W. Bush on the uh, <laughs> on the campaign trail for the uh, Repu- for any Republican candidates. It'll be a long time before he's a welcome guest. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> sort of working maybe an ostrich farm in Australia, maybe as a a cowhand for, for Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's interesting how the uh, Tea Party, and of course, they're going to play a very interesting role. Uh, in this in this campaign, well, the Tea Party seems to put more pressure on the Republican Party. Yeah. In my way of looking at it, because that's going to peel off the sort of rightward leaning votes. Uh, some Republicans might find themselves, you know, that's the disappearance of the centrist Republican again. Yeah, you know, inevitably going well. Okay, so the Tea Party candidate has beat the Republican candidate, who I was probably going to vote for. Between a Democrat and a Tea Party candidate, I- I'll probably go for the Democrat. Well, and we've already, we're already seeing implosions. We Rand Paul already had his uh, brain cramps uh, many months ago. I don't know how he's doing. I haven't actually checked the Kentucky race lately, but the uh, recent uh, nominee for the uh, Republicans' gubernatorial position is imploding, mm-hmm. and apparently the other Tea Party Senate candidate in the Colorado race um, is uh, distancing himself and even vaguely calling for him to quit the race. Huh. Uh, we won't go into his problems, but it's uh, fascinating that uh, in Saturday's New York Times, there's a uh, front-page story about Joe Miller, <laughs> the Tea Party Senate nominee, Republican nominee from Alaska. Now, it's interesting that this guy seems to have spent most... Uh, first of all, he, he's called a carpetbagger by uh, one person because he moved to Alaska uh, he's a young guy. Turns out he has eight kids, and he collected thirty-two thousand dollars from the state of Alaska for these ch- all these children. Uh, this is oil. Is he farming them? Perhaps. Well, <laughs> this is oil uh, money that they sure state uh, residents are entitled to a cut. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, in 2008, the last full year that Sarah Palin was governor, she pushed, and I'm quoting from the article by William Yardley here, she pushed through a one-time increase to $3,268 per person. So uh, apparently that year, uh, Mr. Miller received over $32,000 from the state of Alaska for all these children, Um, part-time uh, prosecutor, uh, sort of a magistrate or something something or other. And it's interesting that the article also notes that uh, Miller only won, and he defeated the sitting Senator Lisa Murkowski, who's now decided not to uh, call for an official recount of the election. He needed only 53,000 votes to win the Senate primary, only 32% of the registered uh, voters cast ballots in this uh, August 24th primary, and apparently there was a uh, abortion um, referendum on the ballot that aided Joe Miller. Uh, Lisa Murkowski, uh, being a woman, actually has had some pro-choice tendencies in her past, and this is what motivated the Tea Party in Alaska. So I wouldn't be surprised if this guy has lots of questions are going to be raised about him, uh, hopefully. He's running against a small-town mayor, interestingly, in that race. 
and obviously Alaska is a iconoclastic state, uh, to borrow the headline from William Yardley. So we'll keep an eye on that race. But uh, where's the prosperity? Here's a New York Times editorial uh, that was uh, written about a month and a half, oh, less than a month before the stock market imploded and the financial crisis became evident to all Americans, though it was clear that there were serious problems with Wall Street dating back to 2007. Um, the Tea Party uh, slogan really should be ahead to the past. <laughs> That's their uh, vision for the future. No I've, DeLorean needed. Yeah, I haven't seen any actual substantive solutions to any of America's real problems. But um, in the New York Times editorial dated the 27th of August, nearly uh, two years ago, the um, Census Bureau reported that in 2007, the income of a typical American household uh, rose for the third year in a row. Uh, and they note, we weren't cheered for long. A closer look confirms that Americans, what Americans already know, most families reaped none of the benefits of the previous six years of solid economic growth. Median household income last year was still 0.06% less than it was in 2000. When the last economic expansion peaked, households led by 65 or under uh, made an average of $56,000 last year, 3.4% uh, less than 2000. The number of uninsured dropped uh, from 46 million to 45.7 million last year. That still left the uh, number of uninsured Americans 7.2 million higher than in 2000. Then we also have the budget statistics. It's interesting that uh, this clipping goes back to the 28th of August 2002, eight years ago, in which the federal budget will slide into the red for four years, the government said on Tuesday. This is back in 2002. Democrats and Republicans accused each other of putting the government on a path towards financial or fiscal disaster after four years of budget surpluses. This was the basically the first year of Bush's budget just six months ago. The nonpartisan CBO, Congressional Budget Office, said Tuesday that surpluses like the $237 billion uh, surplus recorded in the last year of President Clinton's tenure won't resume until President Bush's tax cuts ex expire in 2010. And we're having a debate about that right now, yep. as current law requires. And only if Congress keeps a lid on military and social spending. Ha! This is before the Iraq War. The lid is well off. Yeah, <laughs> the lid, the, the infamous lid. Uh, Republicans who want to make the tax cuts permanent said that the CBO numbers are not surprising in light of the recession and the costs of the war on terrorism. But they insisted that Congress must put a tight hold on future spending. Well, there's, there's your fiscal we, responsibility. Yeah, that's what we want to get back to. Right. <laughs> I head to the past. Indeed. Well, in a recent issue of the Financial Times, uh, their Washington editor, Edward Luce, did an extensive pro, uh, profile 
on a typical middle American family, Connie and Mark Freeman of Minneapolis. And he talks a little bit about their financial situation and their situation with regards to insurance. Uh, just a few gleanings from this article. At 70000 a year, their joint gross income is more than a third higher than the median U.S. household. Yet that didn't prevent them from getting into uh, trouble with the bank, which attempted to repossess their home, even though they were only three months behind in mm-hmm. their payments. Uh, of course, the image that we're still sold on television uh, programs about the average uh, middle-class American family is uh, somewhat fantastical in the uh, degrees and levels of comfort that those television families enjoy. Um, the actual reality is quite different. Um, jumping down a bit, dubbed median wage stagnation by economists, the annual incomes of the bottom 90% of U.S. families have been essentially flat since 1973, having risen only by 10% in real terms over the past 37 years. That means that most Americans have been treading water for more than a generation. Over the same period, the incomes of the top 1% have tripled. Mm -hmm. In 1973, chief executives were on average paid 26 times the median income. Now the multiple is above 300. And, And of course, the Republican proposal uh, regarding these tax cuts uh, that they want to quote-unquote make permanent is that this would basically cement in massive tax cuts for people in those income brackets. Yeah, and uh, Harvard economist uh, Larry Katz is quoted here who offers a nice uh, analogy. Quote, think of the American economy, uh, economy as a large apartment block. A century ago, even 30 years ago, it was the object of envy. But in the last generation, its character has changed. The penthouses at the top keep getting larger and larger. The apartments in the middle are feeling more and more squeezed, and the basement has flooded. To round it off, the elevator is no longer working. That broken elevator is what gets people down the most. Yeah, and when you accompany that that income stagnation with a, for instance, this uh, report uh, from basically the very last day of the Bush administration uh, regarding uh, predictions for 2009, uh, Washington Post reports a growing number of workers in 2009 will pay more for health care benefits and in some cases receive less coverage. The corporate executive board found in its survey that a quarter of the officials from 150 large corporations said that they had increased deductibles on average of uh, 9% in 2008. But 30% of the employers said that they expected to raise deductibles an average of 14% in 2009. Um, So they're pushing health care costs on to... Workers, mm-hmm. you got to pay more. Um, this, of course, is one of the main platforms of the Tea Party. They want to repeal the Obama, uh, Obamacare, as they call it, which, of course, was a very, very modest and still completely unfashioned uh, health care proposal. Yeah. Most of these things don't go in effect for several years. Uh, people are, uh, various states are coming up with their own uh, shall we say, insurance pool situations and whatnot. Um, premiums for employer, uh, continuing from the Washington Post uh, article, premiums for employer-sponsored plans over a decade 
on average have risen to $12,680 a year from 5791 according to the Henry J. Kaiser Foundation. That's what uh, the Bush years gave us, basically yeah. a, a more than doubling of uh, family uh, expenses for health care. And this in the, in, in the context of stagnant wages. Paul Krugman is also quoted in this article by Edward Luce, which is found in this last weekend's edition of the uh, Financial Times. And the comments are made, fewer than a tenth of U.S. private sector workers now belong to a union. People in Europe and Canada are subjected to the same forces of globalization and technology, which, of course, resulted in a large number of uh, manufacturing jobs exiting this country and its economy. Uh, Luce continues, but these European and Canadian workers belong to unions in larger numbers, and their health care is publicly funded. More than half of household bankruptcies in the U.S. are caused by serious illness or accident. So back to your yachting cartoon. Yes, uh, exactly. Most of us are left uh, hanging on to some floating wreckage if we're lucky enough to see it drifting by. The flotsam and jetsam of the economic miracle of uh, Reaganomics and uh, wankeronomics uh, that uh, continue to this day. We'd like to uh, thank Andrew for engineering and remind listeners that uh, you are listening to Gray Matters. Here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Yeah, and I'll just read a related quote from Matthew Rothschild, editor of the Progressive Magazine, who notes in his editorial in that previously mentioned September issue uh, that William Green, head of the AFL, the American Federation of Labor, made the case for the 30-hour work week back in September 29. He stressed that both full employment and increased happiness would result. Quote, reducing the work period daily and weekly enables wage earners to share the opportunities for leisure, which formerly were the privilege of only the wealthy. Uh, there's an article in this issue which explores the idea of uh, how to uh, get more of our lives back. Yeah, and in the midst of the uh, global warming deniers, uh, you know, for instance, we saw this summer the... Uh announcement by the uh, Russian government that they would no longer export wheat this year yep. due to drought and uh, forest fires. One does wonder uh, what's going on with the methane and the permafrost in that part of the world, but I'm sure we'll find out more from scientists in upcoming years while the global or the climate change deniers continue to confuse the public about what's going on in that uh, realm of civilization. Uh, over this past week, there were food riots in Mozambique. Food prices rose 5% globally during August, according to the United Nations, spurred mostly by the higher costs of wheat, and the first signs of uh, unrest erupted as 10 people died in Mozambique. Uh, the article by Neil uh, Farquhar uh, also notes, I should point out, that food prices are still some 30% below 2008 levels. But if you'll recall in 2008... We saw incredible speculation by Wall Street on not only oil uh, futures prices that caused gasoline prices to go way up here in the United States, uh, hastening the uh, stock market collapse and the banking mm -hmm. collapse and the automobile collapse, etc. But we also saw a, a, a speculation uh, on food uh, futures 
contracts that uh, a recent uh, Harper's um, the, the Harper's oh, publication yeah. had a very good story about speculation in food, yeah. uh, and it's not just wheat because it's reported by Javier Blas uh, in the Financial Times commodities section that barley. And rice ha- 